0: Futures trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Opinions and statements of guests not affiliated with Everag are their own and do not reflect the views of Everag. The accuracy of their statements cannot be guaranteed by Everag.
1: Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of the markets today is report day july twelfth twenty twenty three july twenty three corn is up two and three quarter cents at five seventy four and a half with new crop december twenty three corn up three quarters of a cent trading five o two and a quarter july twenty three soybeans are up twenty and three quarter cents trading fifteen thirty seven and a quarter with november new crop soybeans up twelve and a quarter trading thirteen seventy two and a half Turning to our guest this week, it's our privilege to have joining us from Brazil Danielle Cicada, grains market analyst and agricultural journalist with Ag Rural. Thanks for joining us today, Danielle. Thank you, great. Thank you for having me. Danielle, can you start us off by telling us what your primary
0: responsibility is at Ag Rural? Yeah, sure. Uh, I am the head of market intelligence uh, here. Uh, At Ag Rural, we have uh, farmers' clients and we have egg companies' clients. So I take care of the egg companies. I help them uh, understand what's going on uh, in the soybean and in the corn market. And it's pretty much like that. I just uh, follow uh, what's going on in the markets and they come to me and ask me, what do I do? that's that's pretty much what I do. And Danielle, do you specialize on South American production? Do you kind of look at the global market? Where is your focus really at? Uh, global markets, for sure, because, you know, Brazil is now the number one soybean exporter and is trying to become the number one corn exporter. So we have to be on top of everything that happens everywhere. So it's pretty much global markets. It's my my main focus.
1: Awesome. Well, let's talk about Brazil a little bit if we can. Brazil is currently harvesting a record Safrina corn crop. Help us understand what factors influenced uh, record production this this year.
0: Yes, uh, our corn production is the result of three crops planted in the same year. The most important of them is the second crop. Uh, We call it safrinha, which accounts for about 75% of our total production and is planted right after the soybean harvest from January to March. Now, in 2023, our second corn crop started off with the wrong foot because it was planted later than normal due to excessive rains during the soybean harvest. It had everything to be a disaster. Uh, But farmers were very fortunate this year because it rained until June, even in areas that are usually very dry in June. And in addition to those rains, we haven't had any frost this year. And that was a real blessing in areas planted uh, in late March, for example, in states that are susceptible to freezing temperatures in May and June. So in short, we had very good weather conditions after the planting season, and we also uh, increased our area by about 3%. So that's, that's the recipe for our big safrinha crop in 2023.
1: And increased production and, re- and increased acreage has been a common theme for Brazil over the last few years, as more acres get put into productive agricultural land. Can you expound on that a little bit and tell us how that process is going? Uh, Certainly, Brazil is a very large landmass with lots of opportunity to expand its productive acres. What's the catalyst behind some of that expansion? Well, until the
0: last crop, the catalyst was prices, of course, because we had Very, very good prices, very high profitability in the last three years. So uh, farmers were able to increase the soybean area. Soybeans are still our main crop and the corn just uh, follows the soybean crop. So uh, last year, for example, we expanded our soybean area by 6%. And then after that, we planted 3% more. Uh, in corn. So yes, we still have uh, plenty of room to expand our uh, area, uh, and without deforestation, that's very important to to state because Brazil has many areas that used to be under pasture, and we have many degraded pasture areas and soybeans are uh, increasing the acreage over those areas and corn just follows uh, soybeans and that's why we have had a big increase over the last few years but i'm not sure about next year uh, maybe soybeans yes we will have an increase in the planted area because farmers have already uh, purchased their inputs but for corn the safrinha corn that we, uh, we will plant In early 2024, uh, we'll probably see uh, a decrease in area because our prices here are very, very pressured by the bumper crops uh, because we had a bumper soybean crop and now we have a bumper corn crop. And uh, those two bumper crops have put a big pressure on our prices
1: here in Brazil. So let's dive into that for a second. Uh, Brazil is expected to potentially have another bumper soybean crop this coming year. How does moving from a La Nina to an El Nino potentially impact the weather and the growing season that Brazil has? And then secondary to that, what are some of the constraints that Brazil has right now with such rapid growth? We've heard that on-farm storage capabilities haven't really caught up, and how does that potentially impact farmers' decisions?
0: Right. Uh, Well... In the 23-24 Brazilian season for soybeans, our soybeans are planted uh, from late September to late December, so we are getting ready for our 2023 24 season. We are going to see an increase in the planted area because, like I said before, uh, farmers have already uh, purchased their inputs and there's no other crop to plant in, during summer here in Brazil. Uh, soybeans is really the, the big thing here. Uh, when it comes to the summer crops. So we are going to see an increase of maybe 4 or 5%, which is still a big increase, Uh, but prices are very low. If everything goes smoothly in terms of weather, we will have a production around 161, 163 million metric tons, which is more than we harvested this year. This year we had a crop of 155 million tons. And when it comes to La Nina and El Niño, Uh, Let me explain that in La Nina years, like we had in our last crop, uh, we don't have uh, much rain in the south of Brazil, but this year we were very fortunate because only one state uh, had a big drought this year, Rio Grande do Sul, which is Brazil's southernmost state. This state lost 7 million metric tons of soybeans, which is huge, but Uh, At the same time, other states had very big yields, very good yields, and those yields were able to make up for the losses in that specific state. So we had uh, very good yields and very good weather in other states, and just uh, uh, one state had a crop failure. Uh, In La Nina years, we could see very big losses, not only one state in the south, but probably in three or four states, like happened two years ago. Uh, but this year, we we were very fortunate because like I said, just one state had a crop failure. Uh, moving on to El Nino, to our next crop. El Nino normally brings more rains to the south. It's the opposite of La Nina. So we are going probably we are going to see a good crop in the states, uh, in the southern states of Brazil. And that's good because in the south, we have two big production uh, uh, producing soybean states, Rio Grande do Sul and Paraná. On the other hand, El Nino might bring less rain to central and northeastern areas of Brazil. And, you know, Brazil is a big soybean belt. We plant uh, soybeans everywhere. So that might be a problem in central states because they might have uh, not a very big drought, but sometimes they have spotty rains uh, during um, blooming stages and feeding pod stages, and that might be a problem. But uh, let's see. No. Uh, it's not that every year with El Nino we have problems like that. It happened before, but it's not a rule. So uh, let's hope for the best. Uh, in theory, uh, El Nino years are better for Brazil than La Nina years.
1: Excellent. No, that's... Uh... That's certainly the case across the board. We all look for weather to be an ever-changing variable in our growing season and certainly something that's difficult to predict no matter where you are and regardless of what type of environment we're we're in. So how does it potentially impact Argentina? So they're obviously a neighbor to Brazil and they've had some pretty unfortunate production years the last few. How are things shaping up for those folks over in Argentina? Right.
0: Uh, In Argentina, they have a weather pattern very similar to southern Brazil. Uh, So, this year, Argentina had a disaster. They lost more than 50% of their soybean crop to uh, drought and high temperatures. We had, here in Brazil, too, a small loss, like I said, in our southernmost state, which is uh, Argentina's neighbor. But in the rest of Brazil, everything was fine. But in Argentina, they had a big crop failure because their soybean belt is relatively small when compared to Brazil. So the bad weather was everywhere uh, across their their soybean uh, belt. But in El Nino years, Argentina normally has very good yields, and that's why we are a little concerned here in Brazil because uh, if Argentina has a bumper crop uh, next year we will be in trouble because our prices here are very very pressured in a year when Argentina had a big crop failure so next year if Brazil has a bumper crop and Argentina also has a bumper crop we don't know what will happen to our price? Actually, we know. And uh, that will probably uh, make Brazilian farmers cut their acreage for the first time in many, many years. The Basics of supply and demand at play. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and too much supply. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to circle back to a question that I, that I asked earlier and I didn't bring back up, but what are some of the downsides and obstacles Brazil's had with this rapid growth in production areas?
0: Yes, uh, well, we have had many problems this year because of the bumper crop, two bumper crops, soybean crop and corn crop are are huge this year. And we have a storage problem. Uh, Our storage capacity has been increasing over the last few years, but it hasn't been able to keep up with the grain production increase. So uh, what happened here was a bad combination of storage, um, a deficit in storage, you know, small storage capacity and very slow forward farmer selling. So uh, when this year started uh, in January, in February, our soybean farmers hadn't uh, sold um, much, uh, many soybeans at the time. They had about 20% of the crop sold which is too little. It was the the lowest uh, farmer selling pace since 2005. Uh, So uh, they hadn't sold pretty much anything at the time because they were expecting higher prices during harvest, which is not very intelligent. But in the last three years, prices here in Brazil uh, were higher. Uh, during harvest, so they were expecting that that could ha- happen again, and it didn't. So we had a bumper crop. We didn't have enough storage capacity, and farmers needed to sell because they uh, hadn't sold so hadn't sold before. So uh, since our exports are very concentrated on China, Chinese importers knew that we have this problem here, this combination of a big crop uh, storage problems and um, too much soybeans uh, still to be sold. So uh, they just put lots of pressure on our export premiums, prices stumbled and farmers just panicked. So they sold their soybeans and they are selling their soybeans actually at the lowest price in three years. That's the big problem. And again, the same thing is happening with corn. We have a big corn crop. We don't have uh, storage for that corn and prices are pretty, pretty low and farmers have to sell because there's nothing else to do.
1: You mentioned competition with Argentina. How does Brazil view its export competitiveness with the US?
0: Well, uh, when it comes to soybeans, uh, Brazil doesn't have many problems anymore with the U.S. because Brazil has been the world's number one soybean exporter since 2013. So, it's been 10 years that Brazil has consolidated as the number one exporter. And nowadays, we have a 20 million tons gap between Brazilian exports and U.S. exports. So it's not a problem anymore. I think uh, the U.S. is specializing more and more in its domestic market with renewable diesel and other uh, types of of uses, domestic uses, and Brazil uh, is uh, becoming the big exporter. So uh, for soybeans, it's not a problem anymore, I guess. But when it comes to corn, the United States still is uh, the big exporter. Of course, we are going to be the number one exporter this year, but it's just because we have a big crop and our corn is very, very cheap. So that's the explanation for Brazil taking uh, the number one position this year. But we have to have in mind that Brazilian corn exporters, exports, Brazilian corn exports are very uh, dependent on the second crop. And the second crop is a risky crop because uh, this crop is planted during a period of the year when we are not supposed to grow corn because it's planted in the winter. And although Brazil doesn't have exactly a winter because we are a tropical country, we cannot have very high yields in the second crop. And we are susceptible to have many, many weather problems uh, during uh, our winter because uh, our winter is dry and in some areas we have frost. So this year we were, we were very fortunate with the weather uh, conditions here in Brazil during our safrinha crop development. But our average yield is very erratic, it's very uneven. So I think Brazil and the United States will take turns uh, as the number one corn exporter for some years but Brazil uh, will become the number one in the future because we still have uh, room to expand our acreage. So uh, it's pretty much like that. Brazil is going to have a role in the corn market very similar to the role it has already in the soybean market.
1: What are you currently keeping an eye on around the current U.S. Uh, weather and how the U.S. market is shaping up this year?
0: I'll be keeping an eye on the size of the U.S. soybean and corn crops, of course, because it has a huge impact on our price formation here in Brazil. Uh, in soybeans, for example, this smaller plant- planted area means that Brazil will probably export more than we were expecting. Uh, last week, when the USDA Uh, Told us that uh, the the soybean acreage in the US is really is smaller than everybody was thinking. Farmers here got very excited because if the US has a so-so crop, of course we will have more room to export uh, soybeans and also soybean meal. Uh, For corn, it's the opposite. So at this time of the year, the US weather and crop conditions really are important for us. Uh, But farmers here are also concerned about the El Nino during the 2023-2024 crop. Uh, Like I said before, the El Nino is good for yields in southern Brazil because it brings good rains, but it also causes some dryness in central and northeastern states. So there is a lot of uncertainties surrounding El Nino. Uh, This El Nino we have now in 2023, but for now we have all Brazilian eyes on the U.S. soybean corn crops, for sure.
1: Excellent. Well, we certainly appreciate your time today, Danielle. It's been an absolute pleasure learning more about the Brazilian crop and how it interacts with the, the global markets. If listeners would like to learn more about ag rural and the work that you folks are doing there, how can they best do so, Danielle?
0: Well, just Google ag rural, A-G-R-U-R-A-L, And you find our website, there you have uh, our contacts. Just drop me an email or call me, or if you use WhatsApp, just message me, uh, text me, and I'll be there. If you have any questions about Brazil, about South America, I'll be more than happy to talk to you.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you again. It was a real pleasure. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, please feel free to share us with a friend, subscribe, or hit the like button. Thanks to Corey Romero, our producer, and Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering today's production.